community is a group of people living in one particular area or people who are considered as a unit because of their common interests, uh, social group or nationality. This is according to Cambridge Dictionary. A group of people with a common goal. This is according to Debo Shokunvi, <laughs> one of my best mates and a guest on this episode. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, community is a group of people with common interests living in a particular area. All these definitions help to buttress two vital points. That a community needs people and these people have common goals and common interests. And on this episode, we'll be talking about the relationship between a sense of community and your mental health. How we have been able to navigate fitting into a new environment. Let's get into the episode. All right, please introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Adebo Ali Shokumbi, mm-hmm. also a student of BCU studying management and international business. Um, also a fashion designer, a product slash project manager. Um, yeah, and I'm here on the show. All right, all right, yeah. Yeah, my name is Julian Oluwashinofuwe. I'm currently doing my master's in AI. Okay. In BCU, I'm a part-time writer and an obviously student, so. That's it, all right. So, Debo. Tell us, did you ever like care about your mental health when you were in Nigeria? Because we know how back home mental health is not a priority for people, right? We 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 just it's not it's not really a priority. Nobody is going out there to go and look for a therapist, except the person has knock. You know, has gotten to the stage where the person is about to enter the streets. Then then I say, oh okay, there's Yaba left. <laughs> you get me? But before then, nobody is really caring how a person is feeling. In fact, when you say that. I'm not feeling okay. And they say, do you go to the hospital? And he says, no, I just, I'm feeling depressed. People say something's wrong with you. You better get up and go to work, right? Did you really care about your mental health? Or, yeah, what was it for you? I mean, I would say I didn't care because, I mean, I felt like I wanted to do things that would put me in a good place. Mm. But at the same time, I think there is more to it. And I wasn't that open to it. I mean, our, our parents did not... I don't think they took it as a priority. Mm. So, I mean, we grew up that way. I think it was later in life I began to, you know, understand that, okay, oh, my brain needs to be in this kind of state. I think it was when I was learning more about myself that I was beginning to understand what mental health is. And Which was, was it before you came here or before? Or, yeah, before or when I you came got here. here. Before mm. I came here, really. Mm. I mean, it wasn't as deep as now that I'm here. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, I was beginning to get an understanding of it because also I was surrounded by people that were, you know, learning about their mental health mm. and learning about mental health in general, mm. like you. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. So I would mm-hmm. say I learned quite a number of things from you because mm. you started to speak about it before we got here. And yeah, I was beginning why, to know. Why is... Why is uh, awareness okay yeah that's i mean that's it that's that's very good right and um let's talk to shino shino were you were you always aware of your mental health of the state of your mental health or anything before you came to the uk well um in fairness i think the norm back home kind of made chaos normal so it's like nobody's really thinking it's out of order like people think it's life 
is, I like, why did you take it from there? <laughs> you took it from the roots, like, you took it from the problem. Okay, I hear you. Yes. So, yes. I think, and I leave a sheltered life to so sort of like, I didn't get to go through some hassles. So, it's like, you're not exactly in a place where you actually have to know you break down. So, does it? Mm, does it? Mm. But then I think, like, maybe towards the last two or three years, uh, there was a little bit of shift, you know, like maybe because of social media and then okay. everybody's suddenly sensitive. So it's not like, oh, there's actually something like this. Like it was normal before, like this dysfunction that we're used to. Mm. I think I got conscious yeah. lately, but coming here to the UK kind of like just made it bigger because mm-hmm. now it's like everything changed. Yeah. You know, family around, yeah. friends have changed. Mm-hmm. The culture was different. So yeah. Mm. So that made it more important especially coming here like now you're like if i keep working all these jobs schooling and then with the old money bills it's like <laughs> your mental health begins to arrive <laughs> that's why you know that man i think i need to drink more water every day but yeah i want to ask right let's 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 go back home let's <laughs> no start eating fruit yes now you start eating fruits you know that yeah now we started eating listen i eat fruits now like yo, crazy stuff. But yeah, let's go back home, right? She said you you used to live a sheltered life. Yeah. Can you can you go deeper and tell us what like what that meant? What 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 did you mean to live a sheltered life in Nigeria where chaos was normal? Yeah. How were you able to be sheltered, right? Okay. Um. Yeah. For for me now, um, my parents kind of like we financial financially provident. So like mm. there was like sort of like a shelter. Uh, yes, you have your house. You have sustenance i went to covenant so it's like oh you went to covenant yeah. interesting ah okay now so, we are see we are getting more comfortable with each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to covenant as well oh wow yeah we went see. to covenant yeah nice mm-hmm. so it was like i think the even the part that was supposed to be like the mental problem seemed like control so like in covenant now with the rules mm-hmm. and some of those rules go to my head sometimes so it's like it was control yeah so i think they kind of made you accept the liability for whatever they put on you like um, you're in school, you don't talk to girls, you don't go to this. So it didn't feel like a problem at that point. Mm. He was probably getting much older, you know? So like, why didn't I do all these things then? And then you're not breaking down sometimes like, oh, I think I missed out on growing up. I'm growing up. You, you, well, <laughs> well, yeah, but, 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 do, do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, me, I saw it as a problem. <laughs> school. The, the constraints the, the, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, Obviously, when I got out, I mean, it seemed like that was actually horrible. Mm. I knew it was a problem, but uh, they just pitched it to us like, <laughs> you should be able to adapt. What's wrong with you? Like, you can handle this thing. It's nothing. Well, I mean, it actually messed with a lot of people. I was, it, it didn't really mess with me mm. on my own side, but I saw people that it messed with mm. genuinely. And so, I mean, that was, I think that was even when our mental health awareness started. After we left, you know, that yeah, environment, that yeah. school environment, mm-hmm. that's when we started understanding that, ah, man, so we've been in this, we've been in this kind situation and, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was horrible. The, the sad thing about that is they were, it, guys, we're about to go on a, like two, three minutes runs about where we've come from, right? Covenant University, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> the sad thing is they were using religion. Yeah. As the anchor for whatever damage they were doing to people mentally, mm-hmm. it was, religion was the basis. It was too much control. Yeah, like I felt like until I left for my youth service, I didn't actually have like my own personal growth. 
Right. The growth was channeled towards just the books and the church. Mm. There was no personal growth. Like, let me even explore who I was. Like, you know, it's like you get outside the world and then people are saying, oh, I did this business. Oh, I met this babe. Oh, and then you're like, I went to church. <laughs> <laughs> church is good. Hallelujah, guys. Go to church. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I get it. I when get you're it. in the real world mm-hmm. and then you actually have to hustle. You can't talk back to somebody that is treating you wrong. Because it's like, once you want to talk back, you're like, no, suspension. You get punished for so it's like, you kind of like started cowering in front of everybody. Mm. It was later that people would be like, guy, what's wrong with you? Like, don't accept that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. when somebody tells you that and nah, you don't like it, you talk back, but before his opinion was the problem. Mm. So yeah, I think it, it kind of, it felt like sheltering initially because like you didn't get to experience the real world. Yeah, It was a controlled environment, but then you get into the real world and it's like, you can't even speak up. Or you want to speak up and then you're wondering, okay, would I get would I get fine for this? Or and I... that's that was that was five years of uh, sorry, that was four for me. It wasn't five years, it wasn't four years, it was like six years of my life. Because like I had, you know, extra years while in school. And then it was just that. It was six years of me going to that place and experiencing all of that. Terrible. You know, it was it, it was crazy. It was crazy. But for you growing up, right, was mental health something that was talked about in the house? Were you did you ever hear that somebody ran mad? Or that's, you know, was it was it something that you talked about? In, in, in I don't remember ever hearing the word mental health. Mm. I think it just came, the way they tried to treat mental health was different. You know, they probably treated it with, you know, food, more care. Well, they never used the word mental health. So mm. we we're not really taught. So we we're not really grounded. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get to that. Ah, this is, this could be a sickness or this could be, some sort of, you know, something that can affect our lives or mm-hmm. the way we live. You know, so, I mean, they tried to be, in my home, my parents were, I mean, obviously they tried to, you know, help us have a good life. They provided our parents, yeah, they did the best they could. But when it, come to, when it comes to mental health, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say they... They preached that. They were very keen on they it. Think they were not keen on it. Mm. And uh, would you blame them for this? Would you? Is this something that you would blame them for? Like if if you were to, you know, I wouldn't blame them because yeah. I don't think they even mm. have the knowledge like that. Mm. They are also just learning. Mm. To be fair, my my mom started learning it. She started understanding mental health because obviously she's also in the um, health health. Um, Space, yeah. health sector, yeah. So she, too, they, they are just learning these things. Apparently, even yeah. the people in the health space, I mean, you know, the people in the health space, they are just learning it. Mm. And not to talk of the people else, just the you know regular r- regular people. Mm. So yeah, yeah well, um, country. I think like what you said. I feel like like our parents or even back home, people made dysfunction a norm. So it's like nobody thought it was out of context. Like. Something, this is actually a problem. It didn't seem like a problem then. So I think it's, for example, it's like something bad happened and people normalize it. So we already kind of already made mental health very small. You know, let, let me, sorry, that you say that, right? Let me tell you why I even say that. Why I think that where we come from, Covenant University, is a, was a major problem. I remember while in school, like three students died and there was not one day... And this was a place that was supposed to train Christian children, right? There was not one day where the leaders came up to the students to address the deaths of the students. Now, you leave over 2,000 people questioning, did this person die? Did this person not die? You know, there was just, it was just either, did he die? Like, there was no official statement saying, oh, 
we lost a student today and may he so rest in peace. Like there was no clarity on that. And that can be, that can be chaotic because you will just think to yourself, it's normal for people to die or it's, not, it's normal for them to hide death from you of which we, do, first of all, we do not, death is, they always hide death from people. I don't know why people hide death from people and is you're going to die. <laughs> Well, Everybody's gonna die. You that are hiding it from me, you are going to die. Like, there's no need. To, and then it was just crazy. And I think that that was a major problem as well. You know, I feel like shielding us, sheltering us from th- from those things, not letting us know that yo, did we do not used to watch TV? We do not used to watch news. They only put on the television when they wanted us to watch sports, which was even sparing, sparingly. And like, that was even when the students like begged pushed for they it. Pushed for <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah. You guys, that's you guys know what happened in Korea University. We just uncovered a whole slavery. Yeah, you didn't watch. What, what are they doing in that place? No, but you know, I think I think the real problem for me was I feel like they had these rules that didn't care how you felt. Yeah. So basically, it's like when we had to go to the cafeteria to watch a game, and then you get to the cafeteria to watch a game and they're telling you to get out. Or they were people out. that used to do that, right? Yeah. So you're wondering, like, we should have, like, a show life at some point. You guys, let me, let me, for you listening right now, let me bust you. The ultimate thing is we don't even have phones. We're not allowed to have phones <laughs> in the school. Anyway, this is not about to come university. Let's move on. Yeah. Now we have established that we, we weren't so aware of mental health. For Debo, it was, oh, I would do things that would make me happy or that would put me in a good place. There was no one time. Did you ever have to register with a therapist or have a conversation with a nope, therapist? I wasn't that. It wasn't that, nah, it wasn't <laughs> no, that deep. It wasn't that deep. But what if it was? Because we were not aware. We didn't even yeah, know this. Yeah, that's what My awareness wasn't that deep. Wasn't that deep? Yeah, it was yeah. just a surface level. I, I think it's that deep. Because for me, I, th- I tell I tell my friends, I'm like, especially when I'm done with this program and then I'm more settled, I'm going for therapy. Yeah, I think I need it. <laughs> yeah, we do. I think everybody needs therapy. But yeah, I've, I've, I've for me, I've, I've done therapy before. I legit put myself in therapy. Like after my dad passed, like I legit like took out a session with. There's this people. There's this group online, mentally aware NG. They're doing a great job. So they have like free five free sessions, and then you pay for the rest. So I did five, and then I became guys with the therapist. And yeah, I didn't do only five. <laughs> I did more than five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, guys, now we, we moved from there and then we've come to a place where life is now life in. Mm-hmm. A place where, first of all, the weather changes <laughs> and the weather affects your mental health. True. I didn't know how bad the weather was until summer came. <laughs> like the first time I saw sun after the whole month of months of winter and then I say winter, winter and, you know, darkness came early. The first time I saw sun of summer, I felt elevated, you guys. Like, I, like, okay, we're excited. Our oh, spirits. <laughs> it changed, and that was when I knew that our mental health is tied to so many things. It's tied to our environment. It's tied to the people that we hang out with. It's tied to the space that we are in. Yeah. Right. It's tied to so many things. How did you come to that realization for you? How did you come to that realization that you're, when, you, when you moved to this part of the world, how did you come to the realization that your mental health is tied to certain things? Um, well, um, I think the strongest point I had coming here was I had friends already available, like in Dudley. So I always go to their place every Sunday. Oh, before you came here? Yeah. They moved here like some months earlier. Oh. So I kind of always knew like I had focus groups. So I just go there on Sundays, we get to church together. So that kind of helped me a bit. 
because aside that it's just school home school home mm-hmm. and it wasn't exactly and then work and it wasn't exactly like what were you doing oh warehouse <laughs> trust me nobody tells you how that breaks you in pieces tell me okay first of all the first warehouse i worked in i won't call the name but it's basically like human slavery mm. and yeah speed up speed up and you're thinking like if i go faster than this i'll die <laughs> You guys, they what they say speed up to Yo. people. Speed up. And I like, if I go faster than this, I would like, die. You but can't even is... stand for two minutes. Take a two minutes break. Somebody would have come from nowhere. <laughs> What's, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on? Jesus. <laughs> Can I go pee? And it's like, why would you pee? Why would you pee? I says, like, okay, I'm sorry. Can I get water? This was you that was, what, what did you used to do in Nigeria? Uh, I was a writer. You were a writer and you were, were you earning from it? Yeah, I was. Where were you working at? Through this media. Okay, through this media. Through this. Oh, through this. Oh, and then you were earning from it. You yeah. Were, you were going to a job that you that they respected and you. And I was a freelancer. I got like, I was comfortable. But you know, it's like you want more. And because I had like research analyst background and data statistics, I was like, go for more. I mean, to be fair, the job wasn't like the real problem. Mm-hmm. I think the problem was what they needed you to do. Yeah. Because I would do the job already, but like, Nobody cared how the job affected you. Like they give you like a manual of if you do like this, you have better this. You don't get injured. You don't get this. But the speed you want me to go at cannot make me do it. Are we injured? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Debo, what was it for you before before the work games in in the UK? Ah, (laughs) Debo. What was it for you? It was really a switch of life. Ah, It was. I mean, before before I came to the UK, I was working. In a shipping company, I was doing operations there. Besides that, I was freelancing, doing my styling and design thing. Mm. I was I was living. Nobody was f- pushing me around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was pushing myself. Mm-hmm. Why me coming here? Ah, standing for hours, hours you know, guys. walking around. You know, serving people. Would hey, you remember Sainsbury's? This that we had, that we worked at Sainsbury's. <laughs> God, we have stories, guys. You've called names, oh. I called names. <laughs> <laughs> but the days of working at Sainsbury, like, it's in the winter, bro. Like, we'll go to Sainsbury. Like, we'll be touching all those cold things. Yo, there was a time I complained to a woman. She said, she said she, I'll have to leave. Ah. <laughs> oh. My current job, I work in a freezer. Now? A freezer. Now? Bro. Yes. Freezer, like, I did a night shift this night, like, this morning, I come this morning from night shift. So freezer, talking of 18 degrees, a minus 18 degrees and above. I swear the freezer is... Uh, is that, that, why are you still doing this job? What's the story? <laughs> no, no I, think, no, I think the reason why I didn't want to change again is I felt like I was getting used to it. And then because all my focus now is on my project, um, getting other certifications so I can apply for a real yeah. role. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if I have to start changing jobs again while I'm still trying to prepare for my project... And get a full-time role, like, because mm. I'm two months away from finishing. From so. finishing. So how did you guys cope? How did you guys tell yourselves, I'm now here? How yeah. did you get to the point of... I mean, at, yeah. the, at the end of the day, you still have to adapt. I mean, there will always be changes. And then I'm just like, okay, this is just going to be one year. This is going to be one year of my life. When this school year is over, we'll definitely get something more convenient Better than this for sure. So I'm just like, you know, I'm always optimistic. So, <laughs> so you didn't you didn't have to talk to a therapist, or or you didn't feel well. I mean, yeah, like you ther- didn't feel low at some point. 
Um, I think sometimes you feel low, but I think I think even the Bible way always goes like for the joy set before him. Hallelujah. It's like there's this Take picture. Me to church. <laughs> oh, so there's this picture in your head, like, okay, uh, this one year I'm obviously going to be probably put through a lot of things, but if I get this right, uh, finish my course good, pass my project, there's job roles out, out there. And you kind of see like the packages that you could have get up to like make the sacrifice. It's like a sacrificial time. So right do now. you think that this is a Nigerian thing where you self-soothe? Because what you people are, what we have all what we have all done, because I did the same thing as well, is self-soothing. Whereby you look for the the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> and find it instead of actually, you know, taking into recognition that I am down, I am sad. Like do you do you have those kinds of where you enjoy the feeling of being, not not like it's going to ruin you, right? Oh, but you allow yourself go through that process of feeling that feeling of sadness and then walking out of it, right? Knowing that, yes, I have felt sad, all right? Now it's time for me to wipe my face, right? Do you do that? Or it's just, you are feeling sad. I cannot feel sad. I see the light. I'm going to keep pushing. Do you do that? Because that's that's a level of mental awareness that I, that I believe that people in this part of the world are on. When sadness comes, they go through the sadness. You see them break down. Like they have attacks. <laughs> you see them go to that point. Do you understand? And when they are happy again, boom, <laughs> it's on the high. But they, you saw some people, for, for a lot of people that I have spoken to that are from here, you see that there's a balance. In it for some of them, there's a balance in their sadness. They can, they are also very expressive. Do you think that yes, you have seen the letter of the Do you think that that was the situation for you? Do you think those of where you have come from and there's a lot of self-soothing there, right? Do you think that that has helped you through this whole thing? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think, personally, me, I know how to like. I, like, first of all, I'm very optimistic, so I know mm. how to self-soothe. Uh, yeah, I know how to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. I think that was already a big part of me. But yeah, of course, I do allow myself to feel, even though it doesn't take long. Like the time, it do you takes time me it? To, I don't time it, but I know that from what I've seen with other people, like mine, mine is a quick one. Like, okay, is is I get over things. A bit too easily. What if that's because you think <laughs> I'm getting too deep? But yeah, but think about it. What if that's because you think you should not be long? What if is what if what if your time is actually what if you what if the process of sadness for you is actually two weeks? But because you think that <laughs> I am an optimistic guy, right? Let's go ahead, and that's fine if you're optimistic. That's fine if it's short still. But I'm just saying, is there a possibility that that's that's that was the situation? Of course, there is a possibility that that mm. situation, but I mean, I won't say I can place that yet. Mm. There's a possibility, but I won't say I'm sure of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just always believe that, okay, it's one year. After this one year, I'll never do this thing again. That's a good way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, and I, I like to, I decided to enjoy the process. So that's something I do too. I decide to enjoy the process instead of, you know, always feeling down. I just I mean, let's do this. We're mm, here already, so mm. let's let's have it done. Let's that's, find the joy that's, in it. That's a good way you know? to see it. So that's that's yeah. That's pretty much how I how I've been handling it. Mm. And that helps you. That helps you to cope. I believe that helps you to cope in what if in your freezer work. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think okay. Like for me now, one of the biggest things that I just went through or that just put me through lately was so I I got on this Twitter because I got active on Twitter more often, mm-hmm. and then I started meeting um, Nigerians in the UK. Mm. 
So there was this group and I joined it. And now we're getting into community, guys. Yeah. We're getting into community. I like so that like, you bring that on up. On Saturday, yeah. we had a picnic for Birmingham Nigerians. Why didn't, why didn't we know about this? How did we join this group? I, it's on Twitter. <laughs> so like, I had no idea, but then it was, I think I joined like three weeks ago. And then I started making new friends. So like people are, like I had a friend that I met through and the same, same week we met. So it's like you make new friends. And then I think the more Nigerians you kind of had, like it seemed like the closer you felt to home. Mm. So like on Saturday, we were at the picnic in Edgar Bastin. We were eating jollof rice. In Edgar Bastin, my house. Yeah, we were eating jollof rice. What's the name of this place? Wow. Cannon Hill Park. No, no, the Edgar Bastin Reservoir. Edgar Bastin Reservoir. That's Cannon Hill Park, isn't it? Uh, I don't. I just know that's what they call the place at Edgar Bastin. Edgar Bastin Reservoir. I think that's where. Oh, I know that place. That's the reservoir that I told you about. That's the very big reservoir. Yeah, sorry, big. That was really. Oh. So we had like I think we were probably close to fifty, and then we yeah we were having like. Music, just purely Afrobeats. Mm. Music, pictures, I have pictures, jello fries, ah. fried rice. So yeah, I think that kind of helped me make new friends. Because the truth is, with the kind of life you're forced to live sometimes, especially as a student, you tend to forget that you actually have like your personal yeah. issues to like. Yeah. So like if you have project, school, work, you forget that, oh, actually, I'm a human being. I should actually talk to somebody else. Mm. And it gets lonely if you don't know. Mm. But because you are so focused, so like, I think for like the first mm. three months here, yeah, yeah. the loneliness was actually very high. Yeah. But then luckily for me, I had like this friend that we always talk every day on the phone. In Nige? No, no. Or here? She's here in the UK. She's... So we always talk on the phone every day and it kind of helped a bit. Then I, obviously I got to make friends in school here too. So that kind of helped. And then because schoolwork was always distracting from so you had a companion, someone yeah. that you were talking to. So that helped a bit, but when I got on the group, plenty of people actually losing it. Wow. Because you get home, it's darkness, you're on the lights, just you, and sometimes you don't want to cook because it's like, I'm just eating alone. <laughs> no, not because I'm not eating. <laughs> no, but you just want to cook sometimes, you know. And, oh God. Bro, what anyway. if we didn't even come together? What if we didn't come together? That's another thing. We came together, together, so we even stayed together. So what if we did not come? I think it would have been worse yeah, if we didn't come together. Did you, did you come with have. anybody? Uh, no, but like I said, my friends, they got here earlier, like a month earlier. So he's a husband and wife. Oh, okay. So they came here like two months earlier. So like before I came, if I, I stayed with them for like the first one month. Mm. So it kind of helped because they took me around, showed me my way, got my apartment, we met together. So by the time I settled uh, in. They're nice. It got, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, got, it made it easier to transition. Mm -hmm. But then real life happens because now they are going to work. You're also leaving, you have to go to work. And it's and like... Then, so let's talk about community, right? You know when they say it takes a community or a village to raise a child? I think that Nigeria is the best expression of that. True. I think that that quote is from Nigeria. True. I won't lie to you. True. It takes a whole village to raise a child. See you raised us. Our parents raised us. The neighborhood uh, raised us. The neighborhood <laughs> raised us. Do you understand? I think that we were very involved in the Nigerian community. How many years did you stay in Nigeria for? Uh, Julian? About she 30 not? years, actually. 13 years? 30. 30 years? Yeah. You were in Nigeria? Uh, uh, so right now you're 37? No, 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 no. I'm 32. 30? Wow. No, 31, 32 on Sunday. Okay. Guys, so I thought it was 25, 24. Uh, uh, <laughs> I hear that. I don't know why. But... 32. Interesting. Wow. Debo has been... Wow. You've been in Nigeria for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. That's, that's a... <laughs> no, 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 well, uh, 
They were how many years? 24? 20, 25. 25 years. They was in Lagos, Nigeria for 25 years. I was in Lagos, Nigeria for 26 years. Um, were you in Lagos? Yeah, most of my life. You were, you were most of your life in Lagos. So we knew, I'm glad that we all have the same, almost the same experience of Lagos. Insane. You can wake up in the morning, just go and get yourself food from the place. Omega chicken. When you, when you, on your way to work, you can buy food. If you're, you're hungry, you can buy chips in the traffic. Oh, Gala. This crazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> let Gala go. Don't <laughs> even land in Nigeria's first now. Buy food. <laughs> I don't want to bring Gala for me. Like two months ago. You and Devo should, <laughs> you and Devo should be holding each other on the road. <laughs> Gala Devo, and Tim. Devo oh, likes Gala. It wasn't Tim. What, what Devo, was it? Fantastic. Fast. People like <laughs> Gala. I was so upset with the Gala obsession. Like, why? Why Gala? But yeah. Gala, you know, we could buy stuff in traffic. We're in traffic. Oh. You know, we want to enter a bus. We know, okay, we're just going to enter this bus to that place, to that place, and get here. Do you understand? It was sorted, literally, for us in Lagos. What was it like for you in Lagos, right? And in terms of community? I, I, I think that was one of the things that ever made me sad. Mm. The fact that all these things were not that accessible. You know, because that first few months, yeah, we, you remember, we didn't eat. We didn't eat properly. Bro. We didn't eat for, mm-hmm. like, the first one, two months. We were eating chips. Chips. <laughs> we were just eating oil. Now. We hated we hated oil. We hated oil. No fries. Yo, I think I was I was really missing food. I was really just missing, like, the people because I was always active in Lagos. I was missing doing stuff, being creative, you know. Ah, so that I think those are the things that really made me sad mm. at some point. The fact that people were not easily accessible, like they, you know, if, are, if I'm tired, I just call somebody, drive somebody's house, you go and play FIFA. You know, I know we need to be. <laughs> we need to be a true boss. Did you get like you were driving? <laughs> you <know? laughs> like it was just life Everything. was. If yeah, I mean, but yeah, that was that was life for me in Nigeria. It was mm-hmm. calm. It was okay. The importance of a sense of community cannot be overemphasized, especially in a new environment like the UK. As the saying goes, man is a social animal. It means that we have to interact, we have to relate with people. I mean, the pandemic made that clear to everybody globally. Beyond the subculture communities here in the UK, as you would hear further down this podcast, our religion is one way that Nigerians find themselves leaning into communities. Our religion, because Nigeria is a very religious nation, with 49.3% of her population being Christians and 48.8% being Muslims, and the other two from other religions. This is according to a PWE research. In times when people feel lonely and down, they run to these houses of worship to link up with people who share the same beliefs. I spoke to my pastor's wife, Pastor Mo, and she gracefully describes some of the initiatives put together by our local church to help newcomers and Nigerian students not miss out on that sense of community. What steps or what has the church put in place to help foster that idea of community, especially for Nigerian students? Because I see like the majority of people in that church are like either students from Nigeria or Africa, as it was mostly like a black um, church, as it were. What, what, what has the church put in place specifically and intentionally to foster that idea um, amongst young students in, in, in the UK? 
So when we first came in, uh, we had quite a number of students with different you know, mentality and different challenges. I remember the particular one that was into drug, only child of the parents, and the parents were not even aware what was going on. But because we first showed them love and showed that we are big answers and uncles to them, over time they could relate with us and confide in us, even when they would not tell their parents. So after we had this, um, there was a particular one that said that she was actually growing sane. I mean, sane, not even sane now. He walked out of his accommodation, he was like running, nearly running mad. My husband had to go and stay overnight with him in the hospital. Mm. And we called his parents in Nigeria. They flew in, you know, to come and visit their child. And because he was into drug, they didn't know that. And he had gone really, you know, past beyond his threshold level and stuff like that. So we knew that, okay, young student coming into this community needs a lot of mentoring. You know, needs a lot of them doing that they are loved and focusing on why they're here as young people. And because part of our, my husband's mission, part of his passion and calling is to help people find their purpose in life. Mm. So most of the time, few things we do will be around finding purpose. And if you notice as well, because I am driven towards relationships. So a lot of things we talk about, you see us talking about relationship and people pleasing God, people living the Bible. So when we discover that these are some things we are called to do, we now sort of have groups in the church that will meet the, these needs. So for example, for undergraduates, we have a, we call them like, maybe in Nigeria, they call them self-fellowship or something like that. Yeah. The church will call them cluster groups. Mm-hmm. Cluster means you will have your own set of people you can bond with, you mm-hmm. can relate with. So for the undergraduates, we call them level up. And as it is at the moment, the church, we have, by God's grace, over 70 young undergraduate student fellowship. They meet every Thursdays. And if you see these guys, we allow them to be. They do their meetings, they have their choir, they have everything. They minister to each other and we have a shepherd to look after them. Mm. You know, and they have their programs that the church sort of support them. So we have the young professionals, people that are not undergraduates. Either they are graduates or they're doing their masters or they're now working, but they're not yet married. Because the next level, that means the next level to level of. Mm. I guess that's where you belong. And I don't know if you've gone for their meetings. You're like, if already would have told you about that. She has, she has, but I've not gone for the meeting. But trust me, you will love this atmosphere, you know. They do things in common, you know. Mondays, they do Bible teachings, you know. They, they, you know, they challenge each other in the Christian work. They bond together, they discuss different topics career-wise, spiritual-wise, emotional-wise. And like I said on Monday, I'm talking to them on relationship now, you know, and we, 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 we really go deep in a lot of things. And I have not even addressed relationship as man to woman. Just finding yourself first, finding your identity, be holy yourself, be single first before you want to join to somebody else. Because if you're not single yourself, if you're not self-functional, you cannot carry somebody else. Oh, no. So things like that. So and then we have young couples, they have their own team, newly married with maybe one child. And then so we have about seven different clusters like that oh. that meet different needs. So even though the church is growing and it's difficult to be able to identify, oh, somebody's there or there, but within that cluster, as long as you come in and you can come in and join one of those groups, your needs, both spiritual, physical, and other will be met. Yeah, very interesting. So that's how we've been able to manage reaching out to the community.
Well, well, and then we now moved here. It was same for, I mean, you two were, like you said, you were working in Lagos. And then now here, there is no, you had to start a new start community. And then you for yourself, you have joined a group now that is, you know, helping yeah. you to, you know, go through this whole community process. It's a group of um, young people in Birmingham, right? No, actually, it's the whole Nigerians in the UK. Okay. So, but, you know, sometimes we break into smaller sessions. So oh, like we, the Birmingham chapter. Yeah, so it's Birmingham that met. In Birmingham, I hear that. Picnic. I think even Wolves people came. Some people from Wolves came to go. So basically, More like just, West Midlands, you know. Yeah, but the people that came, that me, I didn't know were from maybe Wolves, mm-hmm. but most of us were Birmingham. Mm. Because like everybody started to create smaller sessions just to mm. catch up. Because I think it was easier knowing that. I have somebody close to me. Like, there's one guy on the group when that... When is the next one, Avi? When is the next one? Because we're even going to join it. Actually, they sent me... Yeah, they sent me... Can you wanted to create a, a different event again? But I'll show you after we're done here. Okay, we would, we would like to join this. We would like to join this. In our own small um, space, we have yeah. also been trying to build the community because we also understood that, right? For Debo, he's organized. Debo, please, well, how, how have you, you know, chosen <laughs> to build and push a foster a community here in, in the UK? So, yeah, basically, I mean, we just started a community where we push hangouts, mm. parties, you know, house chills, random things just to come together and have a good time. That's what, that's what I started about, I think it was two months ago, three months ago, actually, May. Mm. Yeah, May. Anyway, mm. and we've done about three events parties now, now yeah. three parties, mm-hmm. house parties. And yeah, so we started that committee. I think we're about how many now in the group? Now, I think, about, I would not, see, let me just, let me check it. Let me check it. So it's not, <laughs> we're not giving you false information. Let me just well, check it. Um, hey, okay. In the group, it's not up to the people. We still, we still need yes, to add them. We yeah. still need to add yeah, more We people. started a group officially mm-hmm. last month. Yeah, just 32 people in the group now. Right now. Yeah. And we call oh, ourselves oh. Jackpot folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, right? Yeah. I think that's, we won't spread your wings. <laughs> So, I mean, we should meet your group. Let's yeah, we should all come together and work uh-huh. together. So, we, we, we have established that communi- um, community is very, very important. I spoke with Chidera, who started her YouTube channel as a master's student in Portsmouth. This YouTube channel has grown into a community called the CP Community, also known as the Chidera Peters Community, with over 25,000 members and counting, and over 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. Let's find out why Chidera started this YouTube channel that has become a safe haven. Or why did you why did you just kick up the YouTube channel? Or because of like oh. a Oh, so I started my YouTube channel for one reason, to help another international student get it right. That's it. So I'm just focused on helping one student get it right. Why I'm saying it is when I came into the UK, I missed out on certain opportunities because I did not know they existed. There were some that I almost missed out on, but someone told me about it. So for example, during that first four months that I was struggling, I actually had to beg for money at some point, right? But during that time, I did not realize there's something known as a hardship allowance that was eligible to apply for from my university. Mm. I don't know. And I was struggling. I was, I, I went to church. I was begging for money, begged the pastor for money. They gave me money, begged for food. It was that bad. And then mm. I got talking to someone and he's like, oh, why don't you apply for the hardship allowance? I'm like, what do you mean that? Mm. And he's like, yeah, it's part of your school fees. So after that whole experience, anyway, long story short, I applied and I got the hardship allowance and it saved me a great deal. And I'm like, wow, if I did not know about this, right? Mm. 
there are other students like me that don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Also, there was this um, trip where to make to China and it was by the university and I could apply and get very discounted or whatever. I didn't know about it until the dying minute. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there are so many things that are happening here that me, I don't even know about. Okay, I also did not know that there was a uh, Microsoft Word training that the school was organizing that is free, that was I can attend to help me write essays better. Mm -hmm. um, I did not know that I could, you know, just walk up to my lecturers, talk to them, even like argue a score if I don't like it, like I don't yeah. agree with this. You know, so just not knowing all of that. And also there was a time I had to pay council tax and I did not know about it. And I was hit with a bill of over 600 pounds. Mm. What was this? Yes, I was, after I finished my course in September by March or was it February the next year, I got an email from the council. And I got a letter from the council saying I'm owing 600 pounds in council tax. I'm like, what, how, where? So my point is, anyway, I started with just trying to help another student. So I was sharing my experiences, sharing things that I'm um, experiencing in the UK or events or things like just things going on as a student that I'm learning, just so you can help another student not make the same mistakes and just do better with their time here in the UK, if that makes sense. So that was how the channel started. And I just kept on with that um, for a while, yeah. We have established that being part of a community helps you cope with all the stress that comes with relocating. So when you come, find a space where you can link with people of common interests, the same social group and nationality. Thank you for listening this week. You, you guys have been the best for sharing and reposting. Next week, I'll be taking you on a journey to the UK in the 60s with my friend's mom, Mrs. Ojo Osagi. She shares her experience with us as an undergraduate and master's student in the UK. So tune in next week. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Right, if you have any questions, please reach out to me on all my social media platforms at Lanre Shonubi. Till next week, Jaguar folks. This podcast is a Larry Shonubi production. Music originally produced by Yumika.